0: back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: If you would like to find out more about Awakening Reformation podcast, you can go to www.rebelalliancemedia.com. You can also subscribe to Rebel Alliance Media on iTunes or whatever podcast catcher you prefer.
1: Do you guys know the magic of the Rebel Alliance Media? No? Well, you should.
0: If you subscribe to Rebel Alliance Media, you won't just get one podcast.
1: Oh, no, no, no.
0: But wait, there's more. You get three podcasts. You get Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids.
1: Monday Morning.
0: Done by yours truly and our three saplings. That's right. Church History, Church Leaders, Church Fathers... Each episode about 15 minutes long, Mm -hmm. and it's meant for you and your kids. Yep. Everyone benefits, but it's appropriate for kids as well.
1: Family worship, family devotions, You homeschool. It could be a fun little weekly thing you do with your kids, and they could do a little write-up on it or something.
0: It's the number one Reformed Kids podcast in the world. That's made up. And then Tuesday is when we come out, Awakening Reformation Podcast. Mm-hmm. And then Wednesday morning,
1: we save the best for last.
0: Rebel Podcast, mm-hmm. P. Nate and Vanilla Knox. And,
1: and <laughs> I'm going to say that every time. <laughs>
0: it's wonderful. They from the great. They are from the great white north of Canadian land. That's right. And they're putting out great content, engaging the culture with a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. So check them out.
1: Ben and Andrew Emery are also coming alongside of us on this rebellion.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. So check out the articles page on rebelalliancemedia.com. Yep. For uh, blog posts from Ben and Andrew, as well as Nate, Chris, Erica, and I. Yep. And if you're blessed, encouraged, and edified by the content, then invite your friends mm-hmm. uh, to like our page. There's a little button you click on our Facebook page Mm -hmm. that says, invite your friends to like the page and just mass invite all your friends.
1: That's right. I've done that several times. Actually, I just did that with the Rebels page. Unashamed. Mm -hmm.
0: So it's really helpful. It helps us to get the content out. Mm -hmm. So please do that. Please do. So speaking of engaging the culture.
1: We have had a lot of interaction lately with um, people and some of it's on social media, some of it's in person. Yeah. And a lot of the questions that have been asked of us from not these non believers are just very basic, common questions that Christians hear a lot. And we thought it'd be kind of cool actually to just do a podcast about common objections to Christianity or mm-hmm. perceived contradictions. In- yeah. Um, just common things that non Christians don't understand about Christianity.
0: Yeah. There are a lot of things about the Christian faith that mm-hmm. may be confusing. Or need to be clarified.
1: I think there's some strawman things, too, that are often
0: built taught from
1: generation to generation, you know. So, that's what we're doing tonight.
0: So, yeah. So, we wanted to address some of these apparent contradictions or apparent paradoxes Mm -hmm. in the Christian faith that unbelievers bring up all the time. Yep. And hopefully give a good response to an unbeliever that may be listening. Um, but also equip the believer to address these in their workplace, mm-hmm. at their school, or wherever you may find yourself encountering. Yeah.
1: Even if you don't commonly share episodes with other people, this might be a really good one to share Yeah, on your Facebook feed or whatever. Because um, if you do have people who aren't believers who commonly you know interact with you on social media, hopefully they'll check out this episode and uh, have some of their questions answered.
0: Right. Gain some clarity. Mm -hmm. You know, and and this is part of the mandate Paul gave uh, in second Corinthians to tear down all the, you know, lofty accusations against Christians and the, the way of thinking, you know, the, the philosophy of, of -hmm. Christianity and to take all thoughts captive into the obedience of Christ. Yeah. You know, so this is, this is part of that engagement with the world to bring down those straw men and to show that, There isn't any contradiction. There is no paradox in the Christian faith. Right. It makes the most sense. Yep. And that's because we believe in the God who created things like logic and sense. So
1: These are so common. I think every Christian's heard them multiple times. Mm -hmm. Um, The first one is, if God is so loving, why does he send some people to hell?
0: The foundational problem with this question is that we're assuming God owes us something. We're Mm -hmm. assuming that God just should shower us with goodness and favor and blessing and stuff. Mm -hmm. And obviously this arises out of our highly individualistic culture and our you're a sparkly snowflake, perfect champion winner culture. And so we start off on the wrong foot when, when we even ask this question. But if we think biblically starting from the very beginning, we see that our ground is shaky and broken Mm -hmm. and that we're sinners before God. Right. So there's nothing we can demand from him as far as favor and goodness.
1: Yeah. And right off the bat, we say, if God, if there's a God, if God is loving, then he must be like this. So right right, right off the bat, we are saying there may or may not be a God, regardless, I'm on his throne and I get to decide what mm. justice is.
0: Well, yeah, and you're assuming all sorts of definitions. Mm-hmm. So, where are you getting those from? Yep. You know, are you? Is it just your definition of love? Culture's definition of love,
1: or God? What you perceive God to be? Yeah. Is God that grandfatherly being up in heaven who just sneaks kids extra lollipops while mom's not <laughs> looking?
0: Yeah, and just winks at your quote-unquote shortcomings, meaning mm-hmm. your sin. Right. You know, so so there's a lot of definitions here. That need to be clarified. Yep. So, biblically, right? God's none of those. Exactly. You know, God is holy and just and must punish the wrongdoer, Mm -hmm. which once you get down to it, nobody will disagree that the wrongdoer, that the murderer, the rapist, Mm -hmm. the robber, you know, should just be let go. No one's going to agree that that those types of, you know, criminals should just be let go, winked at, patted on the back, snuck an extra lollipop, Mm -hmm. and... Go on their merry way. Everyone's going to want justice.
1: Right. No one claims that that would be just.
0: But then when it comes down to you Uh getting justice.
1: Or people you like. I mean, people that you think are worthy.
0: And I think the problem um, people have with it, too, is the level of intentions. Well, they just, they meant so well.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Right. But they're a sinner who is, you know, their intentions are coming out of a treasure trove of sin. Jesus said that we operate... You know, out of the treasure. Right. And who can know that who can know
1: the heart, you know? And I also think that you would do well with just beginning in Genesis and taking them through the meta-narrative of scripture. And you don't have to go through, I mean, in painstaking detail, but just be like, you know, the problem is that you think you deserve this. And let me show you what scripture says you actually deserve. Mm -hmm. The fact that we all don't go to hell is a gross injustice. Mm -hmm. The only way that we can go to heaven is because an injustice was done to the son of God himself. So we, we get to experience injustice in that sense, you know, and that's a great thing. I mean, it is just because Jesus is the just, he has taken. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. But from their perspective, I mean, the injustice was done to Christ.
0: Well, the imputation of Jesus righteousness is, And our imputation of sin onto Jesus is meaningless and holds no weight and isn't beautiful Mm -hmm. unless you first realize that you're in a post-Genesis 3 Mm -hmm. state. This person is assuming that they're in a Genesis 1-2 state. So take them through the narrative of scripture and show them that we're broken and fallen before God and all justly deserve wrath. Yet. God sent his son. Right. You know, we can turn them to those beautiful passages in Ephesians 2 that says, but God,
1: mm-hmm.
0: being rich in mercy.
1: Because made of the us, great love.
0: Yeah. Made us alive together with Christ, mm-hmm. you know, through faith,
1: yep. you know,
0: so you, you tie it all up in the wonderful truths of salvation, mm-hmm. you know, and preach the gospel to someone asking that right. question.
1: God's wrath and love aren't at odds. No. We did a podcast on that.
0: We did. This is a while back, mm-hmm. around the 17, 18, 19 episode mark.
1: Yeah. You can go back and listen to that if you want a little bit more on that. Mm-hmm. But Okay, number two. How can you trust the Bible when it has been translated so many different times?
0: This is a good one.
1: There's like variations to this question too, you know? Yeah, like, like
0: oh, the Bible's just written by men.
1: Mm-hmm. Or like we can only read the King James version because <laughs> there are no other versions that are accurate or I mean
0: it's the it's the translation Paul had one of the wonderful things that I learned in Bible college I re- I took a bibliology class which goes through all of the trans translating of the Bible and how it's been passed down to us it has been translated higher than 90% of perfect Mm-hmm. all through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands of years.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Fortunately, God has superintended this process and used men to meticulously copy and pass, you know, his word down. And so, one of the greatest um examples of this, there is a Hebrew Old Testament dated to around 900 something AD, and I'm going to forget all the official names of these books, but One of the Dead Sea Scrolls of Isaiah, it was a whole book of Isaiah found. Mm -hmm. And so that's dated just before the time of Christ. So we're looking at a thousand year difference. And those two manuscripts were 95% plus identical. Mm -hmm. We haven't lost anything. James White has put it. It's like we have a thousand piece puzzle and we have like 1100 pieces. So for the Old Testament and New Testament, we have more than, I mean, we have it, you Mm -hmm. know? There's really no reason to not trust.
1: Archaeologists will still find certain, you know, fragments of Mm -hmm. parchment or whatever. And every time they find a new fragment or a new piece of something, it doesn't contradict what we have. You know, there's exactly there's just such a perfect unity throughout centuries Mm -hmm. and times and cultures. And even the fact that. One fragment can be found here and another over there, but despite cultures and cultures' influence, it's still translated the same. Yep. I mean, even that is astounding to me.
0: Yeah. It shows the spread of the gospel, too. Mm-hmm. You can see...
1: I think people that often ask this question really aren't so much concerned with the truth of the scripture either, like, is this actually accurate? Mm-hmm. I think their problem mostly lies with, I just don't want to listen to. It. I don't want to obey it, you know, because yeah. we can look at our history books or right. um, other ancient stories that, you know, we believe to be true about – I don't know, Josephus's accounts or whatever, you know? And no one's sitting here questioning Josephus Josephus accounts. How mm-hmm. do you say Josephus plural? Josephus's Josephus?
0: I'd say Josephus's.
1: Whatever. <laughs> that's
0: how Nora would say it.
1: Yeah, no. <laughs> whatever his accounts are about the destruction of the temple or something. Right. And we just are like, yeah, that's that's what happened. We just accept it and we mm-hmm. believe it to be true and it's one man's account and he's a historian, so we're gonna we're we're about that. Sure. Yeah. But then, when it comes to you know Luke and his his portrayal of eyewitness accounts, we doubt it. Even right. though there's multiple different manuscripts that all agree.
0: The fragments and manuscripts that we have of the New Testament and Old Testament are dated way closer to when it was written mm-hmm. than Homer's Iliad, than mm-hmm. Aristotle, and all these other things that we still read and just. Like you said, except full scale. Mm-hmm. And yet there's a way larger gap between the oldest manuscript we have and then when those are written.
1: To believe and to accept those things written requires nothing of
0: mm-hmm. us. Right. That's, but, to believe, to the of it, yeah. but to
1: believe scripture and to believe in its authority and how God has supervised and sovereignly preserved it throughout yeah. the centuries that's going to require something of us. That's going to demand yeah. uh, an allegiance and an, uh, obedience. Yeah. That's really the problem.
0: Yeah. And that leads to another point that a lot of people bring up is that, oh, the church just, they just picked the books of the Bible. So it's a man created thing. Mm-hmm. But just like what you said, there's a, there's a power and authority inherent in those words because they're inspired.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So you find people like Irenaeus early on, Citing what the books of, you know, that the church holds as Mm -hmm. God's word are. And that was one of the main things that they pointed to was when we read this, people are changed. Mm -hmm. People are saved. People are convicted. People are encouraged. And there was just a different power. And other letters and other things just kind of fell off and weren't seen as inspired because of that aspect. Mm -hmm. You, You bring up all these evidences. And like you said, it really is a matter of the heart. But I think it's helpful sometimes to bring it up and just go, see, there's no reason to doubt it. So what's your problem now?
1: Well, and to some level, we just say, you may say you don't want to accept it, but you do because you still say murder is wrong because you still think right. stealing is wrong. Mm-hmm. Why? Why do you believe that?
2: Yeah. Right. I mean,
1: they, they don't have an answer. Yeah. It stems back from understanding, you know, that, that use of the law that, that there's just power and divine insight there, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Even in that sense, I'd be like, well, you you do agree with it, like to some extent. You do. Next question.
0: Hopefully that was helpful.
1: Is Christianity oppressive towards women? Well, I say you have to go back to creation. Mm-hmm. And you have to look at God designing a woman distinct and separate from men to have a distinct role and purpose. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that would mean that she was... Um, designed to be his little stepford wife or to just, you know, rub his shoulders and
0: make sandwiches.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that certainly wasn't the role that God gave to a woman. He gave Mm -hmm. her the cultural mandate. There was this expansion of the kingdom, uh, this garden that she was instructed to participate in. And she had a particular role in doing, in doing just that. So if he really wanted to denigrate women or, Um, look down on them and make them be inferior. I mean, I just don't see why he would give them the exact same cultural mandate as he would to a man. Now, how we go about accomplishing that mandate, Mm -hmm. that's where we get into a lot of our issues.
0: So some may say that the rest of the Bible does not comport with that. They say, well, look at, you know, Abraham or David or Paul And they were so patriarchal and they were just so oppressive to women.
1: To some extent, I'd say, yeah, some of them at times (laughs) were. I mean, Abraham was willing to just let Pharaoh take his wife. I think that was a pretty shady thing to do. Yep. And uh, David took another man's wife because he had lust in his heart. Mm -hmm. That's clearly condemned in scripture. Um, I mean, you can go through and say, yeah, all those times where men were acting shady – That was against God's design.
0: Yeah, so don't do that.
1: So don't do that. (laughs) And the fact that it is against God's design means that God values women. He's not cool with men not protecting and standing up for women. He's not cool with men abusing women and taking them because they have lust in their hearts and Mm -hmm. they have power so they can do that. Yeah. You know, that was the original Me Too. Um, Right. David and Bathsheba. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, those were just never acceptable things. Right. And even when all the kings of Israel, thinking of like Solomon mm-hmm. and even David having all of their wives, I mean, it always turned their hearts away from God. Right. It always had a negative impact on them. It was because it's not how God designed for a marriage to work.
0: Yeah. So, so th- those are all distortions of this cultural mandate. Those right. are all distortions of the creative right. order. Right.
1: And I think that the fact that scripture is very truthful and forthcoming about what happened to those men who did those things Mm -hmm. or um, how it negatively impacted a woman. I think that scripture's way of actually protecting a woman and saying, see, if you do this, this is going to happen. This is the negative outcome of you um, not protecting a woman or of you – not valuing a woman and...
0: I would say our culture, in some ways, values women far less Mm -hmm. than the Bible does. Because in our culture, you can get arrested and accused and uh, convicted of rape. And how many years do you get?
1: Sometimes nothing.
0: Sometimes nothing. Maybe a few years.
1: Sometimes it's just probation.
0: Yeah. Um, You got to be registered on a website.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, God's Law, he valued women so high... That that man was to be put to death. Yep. God did not um, have a low view of women.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: God has a high view of women.
1: Even in Abraham taking Hagar and trying to force God's hand and giving him an heir, you know. Yeah. Uh, Sarah got jealous of Hagar and she became very frustrated with her and she sent her out. Right. And Hagar and Ishmael. I mean, they thought they were going to die.
2: Yeah, they
0: didn't have anything. And it was to live.
1: it was God who brought them back and protected them. And yeah. I mean, He's even in that situation, he was Hagar's protector, yeah. and he said, "It's not okay for a man to do this to you, and then mm-hmm. to just send you out to die." Right. But That was a failing on on Abraham's part, and yeah. we know that because God does the opposite of what Abraham does. Yeah. So, all throughout Scripture, you can see that God does have a heart for women; mm-hmm. He values them. He has books of the Bible named after them. Yep. You know their stories are important. One of the be- most beautiful stories of redemption is the book of Ruth. I-, I think if you're reading scripture and you think that it is in some way making woman- women look less than, I think you're reading it wrong.
0: So so people would probably whittle it down to two to other things. One of them being the whole dynamic in marriage where the wife is supposed to be submissive to the husband. and mm-hmm. we say, well, look, right there, it's encouraging men to oppress their wives. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is church leadership and how oh, elders are to be men uh-huh. and how women are not supposed to teach in the church. Mm-hmm. What would you say to those two things?
1: Uh, well, as far as women being submissive to men, is that what you said? hmm Scripture says women should be submissive to their own husbands. So right. you don't, I don't have to submit to anyone besides you. hmm now there are that's people. Right. There are people that I choose to submit to, like my pastor, because I am now a member of yeah. his church, and that's me too. Yeah, but you, yeah, you do too, and that's a safety for me that I submit to my pastor because if we're having an issue, mm-hmm. you're not the end all. I can go above you, and I can go to my pastor.
0: Since when? I'm just kidding. Keep going.
1: <laughs> and that's a that's a wonderful a wonderful way that God has also protected women. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just such a silly thing to me because you choose who you marry. I know mm-hmm. there are cultures where women do get traded. You know, their their fathers barter them yeah. off or something. And but that's not God's design for marriage, that's, anyway. They're not so, getting that from the Bible. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, there was uh, another time, yeah, no. like dowries and stuff. But I mean, that's just not even the same thing as.
2: Yeah, no, it's
1: not. As um, <clears throat> how God has designed for a man and a woman to come together. But and I have said this like a hundred times because mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a woman with a microphone. And so people like to ask the same question to a woman. And it typically. Preach.
0: I mean, encourage.
1: <laughs> and it typically <laughs> has to do with this like, should a woman submit to her husband?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: is that a good thing? Yeah, it's a great thing. And it's a way that we can mirror and image Jesus' submission to the Father. Yep. It's a way that we can show the beauty of the gospel. And it is how God has designed for women to work, it's not oppressive. Mm hmm. And if it does get to the point where it's oppressive, where your husband is being abusive, then you do go to your pastor. Then you, yep. Then you, then you have someone higher than your husband. You know, your husband is not the end all. Mm-hmm. It's your pastor, and if your pastor is also abusive,
0: and that man is not acting godly. biblically, because even his role of being leader mm-hmm. is a glad assumption of sacrificial responsibility. Right, and so. Demanding a sandwich and a back rub is nowhere found in being the leader of your home.
1: Right. That's not how Christ loved his church.
0: Yeah. Demanding so, his music be played in the car, demanding, you know, how we organize the home and on and on I will on. go
1: fishing with my buddies this weekend. I don't yeah. care if...
0: I will not be home for dinner. Mm-hmm. I am going here. That man is... Uh,
1: He's not leading biblically. No. And... You only ever follow anyone, whether it's your husband, your pastor, anyone. Even, I mean, our advice, it only only holds weight so far as it agrees with Scripture. Yep. If it doesn't agree with Scripture or your husband doesn't, then you don't submit to it. You know, and I'm not saying like, you know, he's saying we just don't have the money to put in new flooring. Well, then submit to him. You're not going to find that in Scripture. (laughs) But I'm saying like if he's saying you have to watch porn with me. Well, that clearly goes against scripture. So you don't do that sinful thing just because your husband is telling you to Mm -hmm. do it. You still follow God. Even when your husband isn't.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, As far as women teaching in church, I don't have a problem with it. I'm sorry. What? (laughs) If a woman teaches in a church to women or two children, that's great. There are a lot of women who are gifted as teachers And even in scripture, where it talks about the different parts of the body, it doesn't say that teachers are only men. They just cannot hold authority over a man. They cannot teach a man.
0: Yeah. So so what was Paul specifically talking about there in 1 Timothy 2, going into chapter 3?
1: Uh, A woman cannot be in a position, and this is going to get kind of like sticky, because depending on different types of church government, like elder, deacon, Mm -hmm. are interchangeable, and pastor, bishop... What I mean, there's, yeah. you know, whatever. But the leader of the church, whether it's a session, whether it's a elder board, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, that should not be a woman.
2: Yeah.
0: A woman should not have a teaching authority in right. the church.
1: Above men. Right. Above men. The person yeah. who is responsible for creating the doctrine – and setting the doctrine of the church, who is proclaiming the word of God mm-hmm. on Sunday morning, who right. is going to answer to God for His flock? Yeah, that role is reserved for men. Yeah, specifically
0: the shepherd of the church right. is a man.
1: Yeah, I I would encourage women to be teachers in the church. Mm-hmm. Start a women's Bible study group. Start mm-hmm. a children's Sunday school class or. I mean, find ways to use your gift in a God-glorifying way.
2: Yeah. We but need it.
1: We do. Yeah. Listen, ladies. Here we go. Here we go. Soapbox. Soapbox. I am so tired of being invited to a women's Bible study group where they don't even study the Bible. Instead, we're being handed how to be a better mother or... um a plethora of other weird things like how to run a successful sensey business or whatever. I mean, we need women who are gifted Bible teachers mm-hmm. to stand up and say, listen, if this is a Bible study. We're going to teach the Bible. I'm doing a uh, pick a book of the Bible and I'm going to start next week. If you want to mm-hmm. come, come to my house, bring your Bibles because we're going to be reading them. Yep. Like, We need women to actually be strong teachers. Half of the issue in our country right now is that women do not know what their role is. And because they are confused, they are raising their children to be confused. Their children don't know theology because their mom doesn't know theology. The mother has a huge impact on her children's upbringing. And if she can be sound in her theology, Mm -hmm. she could raise the next Timothy.
0: The virtuous wife is one that loves the lord you know mm-hmm. it is strong in her faith and this whole oppressive thing is because people read just that one part of first timothy and they mm-hmm. neglect titus 2 yep where paul is telling titus the leader of the church hey let the women do these studies
1: well he's literally saying
0: he's telling them to do this yeah, like this yeah. needs to happen have
1: the older women teach the younger women yep. teach them so it's so- not oppressive it's definitely not. We are, we are encouraged to teach, but we just have a very unique place to teach, a very mm-hmm. unique and specific area where we are instructed to teach. And in some ways, I think it's, it's very strategic. We are given this ability to not only help raise the next generation and influence and teach the next generation, Mm-hmm. but also other women who are also raising the next generation. Exactly. yeah. I just think of uh, all these children who were growing up, man, if their moms were strong moms who knew scripture and knew God's word and mm-hmm. could teach them theology.
0: Yeah, I drilled it into them.
1: This next generation would rise up and they yeah. would be a force to be reckoned yeah, with. Yeah, it's you know? such
0: an important demographic.
1: It really crucial is.
0: Crucial demographic.
1: So, from a very mm-hmm. from a strategic standpoint, we're not given a mediocre job. We're mm-hmm. given probably one of the most important strategic tasks of anyone. yeah now we need strong, godly men to lead for sure. I'm not at all saying that you know women hold all the power. That's certainly not the case, but I'm just saying that women hold way more a way more strategic role than what we're led to believe by culture.
0: Yeah. And that passage in first Timothy two as well, even though Paul is saying, you know, that they're, that women are not supposed to be elders in the church. He still says in that passage that women are to learn this in that culture was revolutionary. Mm-hmm. So, you know, women were kind of just relegated to the home and, and not educated and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Paul is telling them, let them learn. Yep. Yeah. And there is a, a plethora of other examples from Jesus speaking with women. And not being ashamed to interact with them. Right. The account of the women finding the empty tomb first and Mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff just adds on to... Paul
1: finding Lydia uh, at the side of the river with her little group of of Mm -hmm. people. And she was converted and she invited Paul to stay in her house. And Paul did. And he started a church in Lydia's home. Right. Paul Paul certainly had a very high view of women Mm -hmm. and... So did Jesus, and yeah. so does God, and so should we.
0: Yeah. So, so hopefully that helps you answer that question. Yeah. Hopefully that clarifies some things.
1: Yep. Um. Last question. Okay. Is Christianity anti-intellectual?
0: Oh, man.
1: I mean, Christians are often called like...
0: Anti-science? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I remember talking about something scientific, and a guy at my work... Was like, but you're a Christian. And I was just like, what? My God created science. But there is, there is that thought that Christians are kind of anti science, mainly just because we deny evolution. Yep. And now we've, you know, our culture has been so indoctrinated with evolution that they think that's the foundation of all science, right? Is evolution.
1: Well, and prior to Darwin's theory, I mean, most scientists were – there was no other option other than to just be, like, Mm -hmm. uh, agnostic or something like that, I suppose. But people like Galileo and Louis Pasteur and, Mm -hmm. like, all these different famous scientists were scientists because they believed that God was a God of order and he could be understood and his creation could be understood. And that compelled them to, therefore, go – And understand his creation. Mm -hmm.
0: Any scientist doing science is assuming a Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. This is where we get back into our presuppositional apologetics thing. Because with an evolutionary mindset, why would you ever think you could study anything? Why would you ever think that there is a scientific Everything's
1: random and can change at any given moment and morph into something completely opposite.
0: Yeah. Why why is it, this is Greg Bonson, why is it that tomorrow morning you, you expect toothpaste to come out of the tube when you squeeze it again there's Mm -hmm. no there's you can't have any assumptions of order so you borrow from a biblical worldview Mm -hmm. to even do your anti-god science Mm -hmm. you know so it's just foolish to think christians are anti-intellectual because all the scientists are borrowing from our worldview anyway Mm -hmm. but i'd say too harvard yale princeton You know, all these colleges started out as Christian colleges. Mm -hmm. Over the years, they've slowly kicked God and the scriptures out. Mm -hmm. But they all started as training centers for pastors.
1: Mm -hmm. Even the fact that we have laws of thermodynamics. Right. Even that is so, like, anti-evolutionary. You know what I mean? Like, the fact that we would say that... Matter in motion remains in motion until Mm -hmm. an outside force is acted upon it.
0: Right. But isn't that
1: like directly against the evolutionary process?
0: Yeah. You know, it's crazy to think of things like the space station. Like, could you imagine believing in evolution and you're up there in the space station? You're depending on order and things because you're orbiting. Well, you're just
1: hoping that another (laughs) big bang doesn't happen. Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not going to go well.
1: To those people who would say that, I would I would probably just say, "What do you believe science is? What? How would you define science?" Most people can't even answer that question. Mm-hmm. Like, define what science is. Mm-hmm. Science is something you can observe, and science is something you can test. Yep. You can't do that from an evolutionary worldview. Yeah. You cannot observe evolution, though they're always looking for a way to do so,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you can't test it. Yeah. So, everything is just theorized and hypothesized, and it's not scientific. Yeah. It's anti-scientific. Right. And so, where I was coming from earlier, and I was talking about people like Galileo or Louis Pasteur or, or all those, you know, famous scientists, mm-hmm. um, Newton, and I mean, there's just a slew of Christian scientists throughout all of history. Right. And because they believed in God, they would see things in scripture that said, you know, um, the earth is round. Mm-hmm. To them, they believed that to be true because scripture said so. Yeah. So they started off in their scientific endeavors from a scriptural standpoint, and that informed how they did scientific things. You know what I mean? That That informed how they hypothesized and... Yeah. And so, it led them to discover great things because, go figure, God actually knows a little bit about his <laughs> creation, you know? Right. The fact that scripture would say that the life is in the blood, okay? So, there are a lot yeah. of Christian scientists who said we need to stop bloodletting because the life is in the blood. It's mm. not, you know, we're we're draining the blood out of these people, but the Bible says the life is in the blood. So, let's stop bloodletting. I mean, there's just tons and tons and tons of scientists who've argued, from Scripture, and it's led them to scientific discoveries that we wouldn't have had they not argued from that standpoint
0: right and and so we would say too that we're really happy for a lot of inconsistent scientists mm-hmm. who don't operate according to the foundation of their worldview, yeah, right so so thank they be- you.
1: they believe that something <laughs> actually could be true, and yeah. like not just fleeting or right.
0: and shifting testable or- and Mm-hmm. Reoccurring.
1: Mm-hmm. Actually, and- science only makes sense if you're a Christian.
0: Boom. Mic drop. Right. So,
1: there are a ton of other questions like that. We could do another episode like this later on. We probably will because this is kind of interesting and fun.
0: Yeah. Hit us up if you have something that you want to suggest.
1: Mm-hmm. A common question or something mm-hmm. that you hear from your friends that are not believers or something. Common
0: conversation you find yourself in. Mm-hmm. Hit us up and we'll try to equip you with the Bible. Yep. Anyway, we hope this was edifying and beneficial. Don't forget to subscribe to the Rebel Alliance Media Master Feed to find our podcast, Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids, and the Rebel Podcast. Check out the website for blogs and other teaching materials. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you guys. We pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. And until next time, get woke.
3: Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check One, two, first Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church The kind of things that you search They say that the truth hurts Well, this pain is gained. So let's explain the new birth First things first Can't neglect us at the start I must preface my remarks With the deadness of the heart From original sin The effects of the fall of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. and him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark state. Alaska in the winter time, shower in our frames. Left to ourselves, we'd be devoured in the flames, cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily as you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. See that verse 1 is my thesis, it's the deepest Truth that should get you speechless What scripture teaches, will fill in the missing pieces Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees Wicked spite against Christ that turned this into naked night He called the rabbi and gave him props Said he was a teacher from God Jesus' replied, made him stop regarding the kingdom of God no one's going in in fact you can't even see it unless you're born again that must have consumed and stretched his mind cause he said can a man enter his mother's womb a second time naturalistically the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit no other way to enter heaven that sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent. The water symbolizes spiritual purification. Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual. Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural. It's kinda like the wind, which is free, east to west, can't perceive the steps. You can only see its effects. In the same way, the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. If it wasn't for the Spirit's mysterious operation, uh-huh. we will all be under serious condemnation. I'd still be rejecting the son if God hadn't said, let there be light like Genesis 1. It's yeah. just like the light could not refuse to shine. Irresistible grace has renewed my mind. Let's exalt the King who died and truly is risen. Jesus. The new birth is not the effect of human. But the cause, it changes our natural habitation. The situation it's a radical transformation. I was cursed and polluted, so my dirt was inexcusable. With new internal pupils, his person is beautiful. His worth is indisputable. The lamb is amazing. A standing ovation for his work in the crucible. So let us respond with true worship and love to the God who was given new birth from above.